guys, we are back, and hey, it's week one. We just had an awesome weekend, five straight days of football. We had games Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and sure enough, we still got one more tomorrow. We'll touch on it very briefly at the end of this episode. But, uh, I mean, this weekend, full of upsets, a lot of disappointments, <laughs> some very sad fan bases. So, uh, thanks again for kicking it with the grid and joining us again. Episode six here. Uh, we're starting off with Florida State, LSU just got done not too long ago. Uh, so we're hot on the trails of that one. And what a game it was uh, to start, especially. I mean, it was just back and forth battle. Uh, LSU, really, they had a couple opportunities early uh, in the goal line to to really get a jump out front, but they just could not punch it in. That Florida State D-line seemed to, to really just manhandle them. And then... As the game went on, you know, it, it really was back and forth until mid midway through the third, and there was this dagger to to Keon Coleman uh, in the end zone. And it was just after that, it seemed like the the air went out of their sails for LSU. Uh, but just it was still a great game, very fun, exciting. And like I said, till the end, really fourth quarter, it, LSU was gone; they were done. Uh, boys, what you what was your takes on it? I thought LSU come out strong on that first drive. They got down to the goal line, couldn't punch it in. And I thought the first half LSU played a better game than Florida State did. But the second half adjustments by Florida State was, I mean, just insane. They come out in the second half and just dominated. The defensive line, like you alluded to, was, I mean, lights out. The secondary wasn't fantastic on Florida State's end, but they was putting so much pressure on Jaden Daniels. The receivers were dropping balls because he was having to get the ball out so fast, and he was running for his life most of the game. And um, as expected, the Florida State offense just, I mean, they they balled out. Jordan Travis was on fire, and, I mean, it was just, it was lights out. I was kind of shocked. I was very disappointed with the way LSU made their second-half adjustments. It was absolutely ridiculous that they came out of that halftime and did not change a thing, did not make any sort of adjustment on top of everything. Obviously, Florida State, my hat's off to them. They played an exceptional second half, and that is the way championship teams should finish a ball game by executing on every chance that they got. They did, and on the flip side of that coin, LSU was unable to capitalize on any opportunities. Secondly, my second big disappointment with LSU was the fact that the way they were running their offense in the red zone was, in my opinion, very, very bad. It was just – I guess I didn't understand what they were doing. These get, This is an SEC team. How are you not, with a one yard to go, just putting those hog mollies up front and just plowing it through? Like, seriously – Big guys against big guys and just go through them and see who wins. Like, that's real football, and I don't know why. LSU used to be a staple of that. They were like the last team to really kind of go through that whole spread, get to that spread offense. They would at least have a few heavy set plays for the red zone, and they just don't – they didn't do it. And I, I think they dropped the ball. Like, I was talking to Brendan about it uh, before we started recording, and they dropped the ball – and they also were allowed momentum to completely shift at the very beginning of the game. 
I just think I and I know me and Blake talked about it before we recorded too, is that LSU just straight up looked unmotivated to play a top ten team. And it boggles my mind because we all, everyone has been talking about it, that this game has playoff implications for LSU more so than Florida State. Because everyone thinks that Florida State can pretty much run the table maybe outside of Clemson. And LSU, I'm pretty sure everyone is going to agree, cannot run the table in the SEC. This loss is way more detrimental to LSU than it would have been to Florida State. My hat is off to Florida State and Travis because he he balled out for sure. Yeah, and like you said, we mentioned that in our last podcast how important this game was to LSU. I think the very beginning they they seemed, I mean, the wheel route to start, but yeah, it was just they seemed that they were ready, and then they got hit in the mouth on the those stands uh, at the at the goal line, and after that, it kind of shook them for a second. Uh, even even on the Florida State side, uh, Jordan Travis he he seemed pretty shaken himself uh, early. He was uh, a pick, you know, a couple bad passes. Uh, we had some we had drops from Florida State receivers, so there was a lot of early on plays that really could have swung the game either way. But but it was just Florida State. They found a way to to harness their energy and to you know put all the the little bad things behind them and and make it work. I mean, Travis ended up with 342 yards and four passing touchdowns. Yeah, he had the one bad pick early, but, I mean, he really turned it around. They also, something that Florida State did, they they had a little more running back, you know, by a committee. They they still had Jordan Travis run the ball, which they have to with his legs. Uh, it was a team 135 yards on the ground. Benson had 47 yards. Uh, but their story was the receivers. Keon Coleman and uh, Wilson, I mean, they – both over 100 yards, and uh, Coleman he had, he had the hat trick man three three touchdowns his first game you know with Florida State it's pretty awesome I know the the Spartan fans uh, old Sparty's got to be crying many tears tonight over that one but when you look at LSU and I I know we mentioned it but they leaned on the run game of Daniels again and that was something they did last year but this year this year in this game 15 carries for 64 yards. And they had a team 113 yards. It's not horrible, but it's just not going to cut it when your quarterback is the main running threat. Yeah, it's great. It's gonna it's gonna work at times, but Florida State was ready for it. They had a spy on him. They locked it down, and he took a lot of hits tonight. One key stat to Florida State securing this win: nine of 14 on third down conversions. LSU three of 10 on third downs. LSU could not get first downs. And <clears throat> like you said, too, they got inside the goal line. They, I, I think they uh, – was it three fourth down conversions that they failed? Yeah. I mean, and that's points on, that was left on the field because some of those they was in field goal range for and they could have got points out of it. And I think that was a lot of the issue, too. Uh, that first drive, they was, they was clicking on all cylinders. They looked ready into the game. But then that first drive from Florida State, that defense of LSU, you could see it on the field, the players walking. Um, there was two or three plays, uh, one in particular, where Travis, he took off on like a little 10, 13-yard run, 
And some of the LSU linebackers just stood there after he passed them. Like, they made no attempt to go after him. And I, I just thought that said it all there. They wasn't in the game mentally. And, uh, I mean, Florida State, they they are worthy of their ranking, I would say. I mean, they, they played a hell of a game. Absolutely. They are 100% deserving of the ring. I mean, they, they showed out. They showed out against an LSU team that a lot of people, including myself, think that they could easily – they could have – competed to get back to the SEC championship, maybe the playoff. But after that performance and after seeing just after a few things didn't go LSU's way, how the body language of the entire team just changed shows a lack of mental strength across the board on that team. And secondly, and I know I'm going to be basically, basically throw myself under the bus. The quarterback for LSU made so many bad decisions for a guy that's came back has already played at least one full season as a starting quarterback to make so many bad decisions, not being able to read the tackle when he's pulling the ball from the running back, like stuff that you think he would know how to do, especially, especially with the coach that he has. I did I don't know. A lot of it didn't make sense on how LSU played. It just almost seems like they weren't prepared for how aggressive Florida State would be, and that's just the way it. That's the way the their play came across to me. Yeah, Florida State came out with mad aggression. That's what I was going to say. Uh, how you said that they just had no answers. I mean, I don't think there there was nothing they could do. Uh, they couldn't block Florida State's defensive line. I mean, they, that was, it was insane. I mean, they, they could not block them. They was just pushing through and manhandling uh, LSU's offensive line. And Jaden Daniels, like I said earlier, was running for his life most of the game. I mean, he had no time to throw the football. And what time, what opportunities he did have, he had people in his face. He, he could never get set to make a good throw down the field. The ones he did make down the field, was either overthrown, underthrown, and the receiver just couldn't get to it. He was he was miscuing with his receivers all night. I mean, and they said that multiple times throughout the game too. Timing was off. It was uh I mean, it was a rough game. Yeah, they I mean Daniels finished twenty two of thirty seven for three hundred forty seven yards. So still, I mean, he had a great game, you know, stats wise, but it was a little little miscues, uh bad reads uh from the polls and still uh, like I said, we we gotta give credit to Florida State's defense. They, I mean, they did it. They're you know they caused that that issue for them, and also give credit to LSU's defense because they were blowing that lineup too uh, at times and made Jordan Travis make some, especially early on, made some really bad mistakes. And even late, they were still pushing. It was just that it was that last right after the interception in the third uh, when the when the LSU receiver slipped and they picked it off. That was a total game changer because the very next play or two plays later, Keon Coleman dagger in the end zone. They could not recover. They they had, after that it was done. Uh, so yeah, I mean that that was it. Florida State they they deserve their rank. There I think they're definitely going to move up uh, in the polls here since everybody else kind of played you know cupcakes in the beginning, and rightfully so. I think they should. You know you beat a top ten team in a yeah it's preseason AP polls. Obviously I think 
the rankings at the end of the season matter most, not where you started when you play them. Um, but we'll see. I think LSU still has a chance to turn it around. I don't think their season's over. Uh, they just, they've got to figure out some things and they need to get a spark back in their team after they've been hit in the mouth. And usually a loss is a, is a good learning lesson for a team. So we'll see how LSU does uh, handling this one because it, it was, it, it got ugly very quick at the end there. Uh, talking about other ugly, <laughs> ugly games, some, <laughs> some struggles happened this week, man, especially in the big 12. Oh man. I'm, I just, ah, I feel so bad for him, but man, Texas Tech, my my dark horse, how do they do this to me? Texas Tech lost, Baylor loses, you got old school Big 12, now Big 10, Nebraska taking a loss, I mean, their fan base has just got to be in shambles, and then of course, TCU taking it, but other teams with struggles, Illinois barely made it past Toledo, we know Toledo's a good MAC team. But just barely making it. Like, come on, they're supposed to be contending for the the Big Ten West. You know, they're up there with Iowa and uh, and Wisconsin. And then P- Purdue, they took an L. I mean, just come on, Purdue. If Fresno State, I get it, whatever. And then the other one that that really surprised me, even though they won, BYU only scored 14 points against Sam Houston State. That's just incredible to me. So huge week of struggles across the board. Some really good upsets, though. Baylor, again, lost to Texas State, 42-31. to That makes my heart happy. Uh, sorry, Baylor fans, you know. TCU taking the fat L after being a 20-point favorite. Uh, for, lose 45-42 to to Colorado. And then another t- Texas Tech to Wyoming. Uh, guys, what you got on, on the upsets, the struggles, just crazy. Yeah, I mean, I picked against Colorado. I didn't. I didn't expect that. And uh, I mean, I can eat what I said. I mean, it was uh, that was a crazy game. I did not expect that. Travis Hunter. I mean, Hosman. That was a Hosman moment for him. He he was all over the field, both sides of the ball, making big plays. Um, Shadur Sanders. Is it Shadur? Yeah, Shadur Sanders. I mean, 500 yards, first game. None of these players had played together before. I mean, that was uh, the game of the weekend, in my opinion. I mean, myself included and many other people across uh, ESPN and CBS just thought TCU was going to waltz over Colorado, and it didn't happen. TCU is who I thought they were. They were all talk. They were everybody, all hype. They did not deserve to be in the top 20, and they certainly still – I still hold that true because they were 130th in defense last year, and this year is going to be more of the same. While I think Deion Sanders and the Colorado staff had an immaculate game plan from start to finish, they had made adjustments, and they used – I watched almost the entire game, and the announcer made – and I knew I was going to forget it – coordinators and coaches – remember plays that eat and they went back to the well every single time they needed to play on that back 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 door to the running back coming out of the backfield almost every single time it happened on the fourth down play that took that the running back took it to the house hunter impressed the crap out of me 
because I'll tell you, folks, the performance that Travis Hunter just put in is probably something you won't see again in a long time, unless it's from Travis Hunter. That was 105 degree heat. And this guy was playing both ways and did not take a playoff on the defensive side of the ball and only took a few plays off on the offensive side of the ball at receiver and defensive back against TCU's speed, quote-unquote. And he's more than likely covering their best receiver. And he also made one of, one of the most athletic interceptions I've seen in a while. He covered a lot of ground very fast at a, on a quick pass. This team is for real. I'll be picking them more often than not in the, on their schedule, but they do have a hard schedule, that being said. They have Nebraska coming up next, which is not going to be an easy easy game either. But they aren't TCU. I don't know. I'm very impressed with Colorado. I'm glad they got me the win because uh, my other ones struggled, made me struggle. And uh, some of the other upsets, um, I'm kind of surprised about, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, more, more specifically, Texas Tech surprised me that they, they allowed that to happen. What I will say about most of these upsets and what I will say about most of the close games that we've seen, that we saw, like the Georgia Tech-Louisville game, for example, I just think that there are teams, these teams are coming into this first week like, ah, no worries, we got this. We ain't taking this one seriously. We, we'll get out, get in, get out. We'll get a win. The, the this is the thing is that college football is you better show up every week because they're the the disparity between teams is shrinking every year because of the transfer portal and the NIL and all this other craziness. These teams that wouldn't necessarily give these big guys a game, it's happening all over again. These guys are. <laughs> There's athletes everywhere now, folks. So if you have a team that doesn't take a team seriously, just prepare yourself for an upset loss at some point in time in the season because mentality is almost as important as effort. And if you don't come in with the winning mentality that you give it your 100% all the time, you will lose in college football division one, no matter where you're at. You're absolutely right. And talking about, you know, the parody in football and, you know, the transfer portal, the rich are going to get richer, but I also think there's opportunities for these teams that aren't going to be recruiting directly out of uh, high school in a, at elite levels. You just saw two teams, Texas State and Colorado, both had massive amounts of transfers come in. Texas State, I think they had around 40 as well, even you know something like that. And look what they did. They, they drove up I-35 to Waco from San Marcos. And then they they beat the brakes off Baylor. I mean Baylor didn't even have a chance, and that was a it was a wholly remodeled team. So I think you're going to see a lot more of this. Uh, yeah, the some of the best players like we saw from UTSA, best wide receiver left, went to a different college. But you're going to see a lot of good players from other schools filter in that don't think they're getting the right playing time or you know family situations, whatever. Filter into some of these smaller schools. And I think it's going to help these guys a lot. It, in the end, it was just just a great game from Colorado. I don't I don't know how much I will trust them moving forward, simply based on how how sustainable is that. I, I like I like Dion. I think he's preaching a good message. Uh, 
I think he's got the ability to do it. And Sanders and Travis Hunter and their running back Edwards, he had a great game too. But how sustainable, especially when they get into the meat of their schedule. I think they beat Nebraska next week because Nebraska, when they played Minnesota, they looked fine, but they also couldn't they couldn't finish. I think Colorado's going to beat them. But moving forward, they've got to find a run game. They only had 55 yards on the ground. Colorado did. And they gave up a ridiculous amount on the ground to TCU. 262 yards on the ground they gave up. So, I mean, their defense was a sieve, you know. It's still – they got some stuff to figure out before they go out and they play uh, Oregon, USC, Oregon State, Utah. I I think a 6-6 and season's inbound form, that's better than what I was expecting originally because yesterday did prove a lot. Uh, But I still – I want to see them prove it again uh, a little bit more because, like you said, TCU – It's kind of who we were expecting, right? They lost a lot. Uh, I think they only had three starters from the squad last year. They had players that were on the team, but uh, still a good team. They had, you know, transfers come in. They had good recruiting classes, but I just, I I don't think they can do the same thing. And obviously they can't because they they just took a fat L right there uh, as a 20-point favorite. So I I, I don't know, guys. I I just don't think it's sustainable for, for Colorado this year. Yeah, Colorado's issue is going to be depth. When they get into the the rougher part of their schedule, it that's what's going to catch up with them. Is they just don't have the depth that these the USC's and Oregon's, Utah is going to have. But I I agree. They uh I, I think they could go five hundred or better. I mean, they could pull an upset on a team like an Oregon or an Oregon State, but I don't think they're going to be able to keep up with that week in and week out. But I, I do think after seeing them play this last weekend, they're a lot better of a team than I expected them to be. And uh, I do think they finish out strong. I'm with you guys. I'm with you guys on the defensive side of the ball as far as a lot more question marks on the defensive side of the ball for Colorado than answers on basically, I mean, I mean, TCU, they have some athletes for sure that can burn you really quick, and they proved it. But at the end of the day, like the defense made the stops that they needed to make, which is good, which means that they never stopped fighting no matter how many yards they were giving up. They were still still in the game. But just looking at their schedule real quick, uh, and I'm with with Brendan on this, I think they get – I I think they get Nebraska. I think they beat Colorado State. But then that third game – is the question mark for me? Real big question mark. You stopped TCU. You you stopped TCU enough, but can you really stop an Oregon at Oregon? I'm I'm curious to see if they can do it because if the, if if they hang with Oregon and keep it close, I think that will give me more confidence going forward. But that being said, once they play Oregon, then they got to turn right back around and come home and play USC. So it's a rough schedule for them, uh, especially early on. Uh, It doesn't really look like too bad of a back-end schedule, to be perfectly honest with you, but they do end their season with Utah, which could be rough because we all know Utah may not be fast starters, but they do finish, and they're, they're always a team that usually gets their stuff together towards the end of the season. And let's talk about Utah, Florida real quick, and we'll we'll drive on to the rest of the games on Saturday. 
that was one great scenery, you know, uh, awesome atmosphere there in Salt Lake. Uh, Florida came in, another team. We we kind of had an expectation, but we weren't exactly sure. I don't really think Graham Mertz was the biggest problem. I thought he had an all right game, uh, but the rest of Florida just could not do it. And, and the way that Utah started off with that 70-yard bomb, man, uh, backup quarterback still, it was beautiful. What a start. Uh, I just, Florida, I'm, I'm concerned about their season from a line perspective. Uh, the defense, they were giving up, you know, a lot to second string, third string quarterbacks. You know, who knows what would have happened if, you know, Cam Rising was starting. But uh, Florida's got, got some work to do. And I think Graham Mertz did better in this system. But yeah, Florida. As a as a rough fell on the road, and they don't have an easy schedule moving forward. So, I don't know, guys. Any quick thoughts on them? A lot of Florida's issues were very similar to LSU's issues. Um, Mertz, he he didn't play awful. He he was had people in his face all night long, and mm-hmm. he got the ball out, uh, dropped passes. Just Utah was getting back to him. Utah's linebackers were swarming to the ball. And the receivers couldn't get any separation aside from, I think it was number one. Uh, he he would get open a good bit, but he dropped some touchdown passes. Um, yeah, I just, Utah's defense, I think, shut Florida's offense down. And Florida just doesn't have that weapon on offense that they're used to having. They're, they're known for their speed. And I just didn't see the speed that I'm used to seeing out of Florida. But the, the atmosphere there was phenomenal. Utah's always a loud and hard place to play. And going out there, a lot there was some new faces on Florida's team too. I just think they struggled with a lot of it. And the play calling too, they, they went for it on fourth down two or three times as well and didn't get it. And they left nine points on the board in field goal range three times going for it on fourth down yep. and not getting it. So – I mean, it was a mixture of play calling, offensive line not holding up too well, defense. I mean, that Utah was gashing them left and right. They just couldn't. They couldn't stop it, and they'd hold them to third down and then give up the third down. I mean, it was just all night long. Absolutely. Um, well, here's my thing with Florida, and I was just going to throw this little stat out there: when your quarterback on Florida, who's not known as a runner, has more rushing attempts than your actual running back, it's a problem. Uh, Trevor Etienne is a very good running back, and the fact that they could only get him the ball seven times in the rushing game is a problem. means that they did not have any confidence in them, or they just didn't have a confidence in their offensive line to get to the second level and get to those linebackers before they blew up the play. Because that's the biggest story, and I t- I'm piggybacking off of Blake a little bit here, but the linebackers for Utah surprised me. I knew they were good. We knew the defense was going to be good for Utah, but those linebackers were flying out there. They were they were all over the place. And I, mad respect for Utah as far as that goes. I'm just super disappointed. Like with Florida, I really thought that their athletes would show up, but they just like Blake said, the the speed that you normally are accustomed to seeing from the secondary of Florida it just was not there. And even the linebackers, the speed just wasn't there, or they're just drive to be to get to the ball wasn't there 
And that's a problem, of course. What's the theme so far that we've talked about is that it seems like the teams that we're talking about that have lost have this lack of a drive to play these games. And I don't know if that's if that's a product of the money that's now in college football. I don't know. But playing for the University of Florida, a top-tier program, or used to be at least, in the SEC, and you can't get up to play Utah, who's top 15? I don't understand that. That doesn't make sense to me. But I want to I want to do a quick shout out though to Bryson Barnes, the backup quarterback for Utah, who managed that game very well. I mean, he went for 12 for 18, 150, 59 yards and a touchdown. I think that's pretty good considering that you're the backup quarterback. Although, like uh, me and Brendan and I think Blake even said, like more than likely these that he's been getting starter reps since they figured that cam rising wasn't going to come back be able to come back but still i mean this this kid essentially an unknown came in and just didn't flinch at flinch the fact that he's playing florida at all and just went right went right after him so biggest takeaway for me is definitely the defense of utah that i think they're going to be a problem for just about every team going forward yeah my confidence in utah uh especially Using two quarterbacks, definitely has gone up. We'll see how they handle the rest of the, the Pac-12 schedule. But uh, USC's defense doesn't really seem spectacular to me. Their offense obviously is lighting them up, but they've played San Jose State and uh, some other team. I can't remember who USC played uh, off the top of my head because I didn't watch it. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is. They Caleb Williams had a great game. Uh, but, again – the defense when they play Utah is going to be the game changer because USC has yet to play a defense yet. Same with Oregon. Yeah, they put up 81 points, but they played at, you know, Portland. Uh, wait, wait till they play Utah with a real defense and Cam Rising's back and you get the whole package. Watch out for Utah still. I, I still have faith in them uh, and Kyle Whittingham. Um, moving on, though, uh, just touch real quick on the Texas Tech game. Wyoming was down 17-0 and made an awesome comeback. Uh, They tied it up 17-17 late in the third. So, I mean, uh, Texas Tech wasn't scoring anything. I think they were just shocked. They were in awe of what was going on. It was at Wyoming, too. You know, so Laramie was pumped, man. They were were getting after it. And, um, you know, that that final, they they got the two-point conversion in overtime to win the game. So prop, props to Wyoming. Uh, outside of that, man, it, it was just kind of a you know standard weekend. A lot of big teams played. Uh, you know, uh, your your middle of the road. You know, uh, MAC teams. They played some Americans, some uh, uh, Conference USA teams like like that. So not too much else on there. We're gonna get into the games that we picked uh, in the top. You know, the top five games of the weekend that we picked. Uh, Jumping right in, we've already discussed Florida State and LSU. That was one of our picks. Uh, moving on, we talked about Colorado and TCU. Penn State, West Virginia, that was a game that we were waiting to see who Penn State kind of is, especially with the new quarterback. West Virginia, we knew they're they're not going to be a match for them. They're, they just don't have the athletes right now. They're not bad, but they're just not there. And Penn State really they they came out and did what they needed to. It was kind of it was close early, 
really mid- midway through the third, Penn State was only leading 14-7. to But Alar came out and... You know, he he was able to hit Lambert Smith deep uh, on a on a corner route late in the third, and and that just ended the game right there effectively. Uh, Alar, you know, he, he threw three twenty five for three touchdowns. Great game, Singleton, their their star running back, seventy yards on thirteen carries. But that Lambert Smith, he had four receptions for one hundred twenty three yards. And on the other side of it, it was uh, you know one hundred sixty two passing yards from Garrett Green. It's not going to get it done against the Big Ten, Big Ten defense. And uh, Donaldson, their running back, had 18 carries for 81 yards. So they, they just couldn't really move the ball, couldn't do exactly what they needed to. Guys, you got anything on Penn State? Not really much to add to what you said. Uh, Alar, he shined. I think he showed he's uh, more than capable of being a successful quarterback in the Big Ten. He, uh, he's got some good weapons at receiver. Solid running game, solid defense, pretty much as expected out of Penn State. West Virginia, they left with more questions. I mean, it, they don't have a, a playmaker at receiver. Quarterback didn't do awful given the circumstance. Uh, he was 16 of 27 and didn't throw any interceptions. And, I mean, that, that pass rush of Penn State wasn't quite what I was expecting it to be. I thought it would be a little better and more – more like Florida State, honestly, I was what I was expecting out of them. But they were still pretty solid nonetheless. And, but I don't think they're going to be as strong in the Big Ten as I originally thought they were. So I, I look forward to seeing what Penn State does the rest of the season. But this game, I mean, they, they handled business as I expected. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that, Blake, is that the, the Penn State was not impressive against a, a a West Virginia team that they probably should have railroaded, to be honest with you. We're talking about a West Virginia team that finished last in the Big 12, which uh, <laughs> if we're going off of what, how the Big 12 performed this week, I'm just saying, like, the, Penn State, if they want to be elite – they need to handle business. And, but, the, okay, they did handle business. They still won. So let's just be clear. I guess that's my fault. I probably shouldn't be talking like they didn't, didn't win. But the only per, only thing I liked about their defense was their linebackers. I thought their linebackers played well. The front, the front four did not. I didn't think. I mean, the the linebacker the star the star of the defense in my opinion was Curtis Jacobs he had seven solo tackles one sack and one tackle for loss um, just by himself I think that's that that's a pretty darn good game for a linebacker but it begs the question why is a linebacker having to tackle that that much it means that the front four is not getting penetration like they should so that's that's, that's just my takeaway on them I just I think that they're still middle of the road as far as they're right now that doesn't mean they can't be elite and i'm sure they have the athletes i just don't think that they're quite there yet yeah and obviously it's week one all these teams are they're trying to you know work out the kinks you know blocking schemes all that it's different live action than than playing against your own guys to a point but um yeah, I, I think Penn State's going to do fine, especially with this quarterback. If he keeps gaming like like he did, uh, they'll they'll be set up to to make a push for the Big Ten. 
but going up against better defenses in Ohio State and Michigan, let's let's see what happens moving forward. Next game up uh, that we picked was UTSA in Houston. UTSA is my pick to to win <laughs> the American, and I still have faith in them. I'm not going to say I don't, but I was just really shocked at uh, Harris at quarterback throwing three interceptions. That was very unlike him. I, I, I was just expecting so much more from him. But it was a good game. It was, it was a battle. It was constant back and forth, you know, defensive struggle. Uh, so it was a good one to watch, you know, if if you guys are able to tune in. But, it, again, it was, it was 10 to 7 at halftime. But Frank Harris had those three picks before half. Uh, I, or before the fourth quarter, excuse me. But still. They were down. They got down seventeen to seven, and they made a comeback. He started to shine. He made some really good passes towards the end of the game. Got them back in it. They were able to try and scratch back. They were so close, and then they had a controversial fourth down or third down positioning of the ball. Uh, gave them a gave Houston a first down, and effectively the win. Even after replay, you could tell the guy's arm was down before the line of scrimmage. They came out and still measured it. <laughs> And gave him a first down. I don't know. It was silly, but uh, UTSA coach was not happy, and I, I agree with him on that. But I was just a little disappointed in, in Harris. The rest of the team that didn't do bad. Barnes, the running back for for UTSA, had 16 carries for 103 yards and a touchdown. They had 200 yards on the ground as a team. And then uh, Cephas had 123 receiving yards. Uh, on the other side, though, Donovan Smith, uh, quarterback for Houston, he had uh, 22 of 34 for 233 yards and two touchdowns. So pretty good game from him. Uh, it's just kind of one of those back and forth mistakes really ended this game for, for UTSA early. There's not really much more to add to that. Uh, I thought there would be more points scored for sure. Uh, I was shocked. I didn't actually watch that game, but I seen the stats going across the bottom and I saw where Harris had thrown three interceptions, and he's not usually like that. He's usually a pretty confident quarterback and, you know, plays mistake-free football. And, you know, I, I didn't, like I said, I didn't get to see the game, but I just expected that to be a shootout, a back-and-forth. I was expecting more like the Colorado TCU game out of that because, I mean, that's what how them teams play. But, yeah, Houston got the win. I think being at home helped them, and that's really all I got to say about it. Exactly right. I I was kind of expecting the same thing that y'all were is another shootout game. But because, you know, I think I mentioned it in the last podcast, is like I have the same – I still have the memories of Houston of old that would just run and gun, basically. They would just be throwing it up and down the field and just blazing, blazing a trail. It doesn't seem to be the case anymore, but UTSA shocked me. Like you said, the three interceptions, that's not, not, that's definitely out of character, but we, we all said when we made our picks that this was probably um, outside of LSU, LSU and Florida state. This was probably the other one that was kind of a toss up could have gone either way for, for when we made our picks. So I'm not, I mean, Hats off to Houston. They played a good enough game to get the win. But it doesn't surprise me that they won. I think they're good enough to beat UTSA, but UTSA was certainly good enough to beat them. But the offensive production was definitely a concern for both teams, in my opinion. 
Yeah, and it's you know something they got to work out, especially Houston's Big Twelve now. They got they they got a schedule coming up, and then UTSA. You know, can they recover? You know, get get it out of their mind this loss, and you know, make a run for the AEC like we all think they can. Challenge Tulane and SMU. Uh, I think it's possible. I think they will. I mean, especially with Harris at quarterback, he's he's a seasoned vet. I mean, he. And it, like I said, at the end of the game, he was making a comeback. He he started driving that team. But shaking out the kinks, I don't know what it was, but three picks, that, that was the story of that one. Another st- <laughs> story of this next game was an atrocious offensive line. My gosh. Uh, UNC versus South Carolina. It was a good game, back and forth. Uh, good points scored. But, man uh, – <laughs> <laughs> nine sacks given up from that South Carolina offensive line. They had negative two rushing yards as a team. I mean, good Lord. That's just embarrassing. And now UNC came out and they said, remember in the, their presser, they're like, oh yeah, we're going to, we're going to blitz harder. They were horrible last year and, and tackles for losses and sacks. And they also said they're going to get a run game going. Now, how much of that is, is them doing it? How much of it is uh, South Carolina just being straight trash on the O line? It's probably a little somewhere in between, but I'm I'm going more with the the South Carolina having an awful offensive line. Uh, I'll tell you what though, Radler had a, still had a great game. Yeah, he made some misses, but I mean the dude was on his back half the time, and he's scrambling for his life, and he still threw for 350 yards, no interceptions. So hats off to him. Uh, Drake May had a good game. Even though he's threw two picks, he's still two touchdowns, and he was putting the ball where it needed to against a strong secondary. That that's the that's one of the big things for South Carolina. Their secondary is very good. So yeah, I, I think uh, UNC's they're they're happy to get out of there with a win, but just being able to go up against the soft offensive line like that. I still don't have faith in UNC moving forward. I, I think Drake May's going to be fine. He's obviously going to get drafted high. Everybody has him in the, the top two quarterbacks uh, taken. But, yeah, I, I don't know. It was, it was a good game back and forth, but it, it's all that offensive line, man. Yeah, not much else to really hit on that. Uh, Spencer Rattler, I thought he, he had a great performance. Uh, I mean, that's the definition of carrying the team. I mean, he, he had to do it all. He had no time to throw the football. Uh, their their offensive line, I was I was shocked. I, I was expecting South Carolina to you know make a little noise in the East this year, and that that performance was awful. I mean, it was absolutely awful. And I, I'm like you, I didn't know watching the game if how good the defense actually was versus how bad South Carolina's line was, and I still don't know where that is because it's week one. So, I mean, going forward, we'll see. Will South Carolina continue to to do stuff like this? The negative two rushing yards. I mean, all you gotta do is fall forwards to get a yard. I mean, that, that tells you how bad it was. I mean, that that was a shocking stat. When your total yards is less than your pass production. I mean, their total yards for the game was three fifty one, three fifty three passing. I mean, that that's pathetic. So, but I mean, nine sacks. Mac Brown going for the throat at the end of the game. 
I know it was just a, I know it wasn't like a legit thing, but it's still a funny picture. I mean, and, uh, but yeah, Drake may, I think his thing is his size. And I think NFL scouts just see him as coachable. And I think that that's all the hype on him. I don't, I just don't understand the hype behind him. I mean, he's a good quarterback, but I mean, Spencer Rattler outplayed him. I thought Spencer Rattler had the better game between the quarterbacks. I just wasn't impressed with him that much. And he really didn't have – I wasn't impressed with the, the receivers from North Carolina either. They wasn't getting a whole lot of separation. And South Carolina's defense isn't as bad as the score made them look. I mean, they, they, they had some big plays, but they gave up a lot of big plays too. But uh, it, was, it was a good game to watch. I just wasn't expecting South Carolina to lay an egg like that on offense. I just – I was kind of shocked by it. I mean, what else is to say? Or I mean, I can add in a bunch of stuff, but honestly, <clears throat> when you have a stat line as a quarterback and you have no touchdowns, no passing touchdowns, but you pass for 351 yards, I'm just saying, like, and you have a receiver that totaled 178 yards of receiving yards, but somehow you didn't be weren't able to pass a touchdown. Like it says almost everything that he did not have enough time to throw a freaking pass in the end zone. Most of this stuff was dink and dunk and crossing routes and crossing patterns. Not a lot was downfield. And I don't know, man. South Carolina's offensive line's got to figure it out like real quick. Because if North Carolina can do this, and no offense to North Carolina, but y'all ain't SEC caliber in my opinion watching that game i truly think that it was all because of how bad the offensive side of the ball was playing is how it made you guys look really good i think you guys are in big trouble if you when you run into florida state or clemson because that's they, they are on the level of sec and florida state clearly uh showed that sunday and and uh, South Carolina is just in trouble. They need to figure it out quick. Yeah, I mean, the Joiner had 12 carries for 23 yards uh, for South Carolina. And then add in all the sack totals. <laughs> That's how you get your minus two. But still, 12 carries for 23 yards. I mean, that, that offensive line, just they've got to figure it out. Otherwise, yeah, they are in for a very long season. And uh, I said, I'm. I'll I'll give UNC credit because they did they they beat an SEC team uh they they did what they needed to but you know South Carolina is going to give up points because their offense couldn't do anything so they're going to be you know their defense is going to be out there longer and it just gives UNC more chances so yeah it's it's just it's a tough one for South Carolina because I think all of us were expecting them to win sure other people had UNC winning the game but uh, breaking it down for us. We thought we thought South Carolina had it, and like Blake said, maybe making a run in the East, trying to you know compete up there. But alas, it did not happen for him because, and again, nine sacks, embarrassing, embarrassing. Uh, sorry for my my buddy uh, Wolf; he's a big South Carolina fan. Um, but outside of that, boys, that that was our big five picks. Uh, there's there's still some good games, like we said, Texas State. Uh, you know, Northern Illinois beat uh, Boston College. But we also had games like uh, 
we had Washington beat Boise State. I thought that was going to be a lot closer, but they beat the brakes off of them. Uh, it was close early. It didn't stay that way. <laughs> uh, Georgia Tech-Louisville was a really good game. That one, that one was fun to watch. A lot of back and forth there, and Louisville found a way to, to pull it out after after struggling. Uh, Ohio State, Indiana. Ohio State was one that they struggled early, I think, with, with their offensive line and their passing attack. I mean, Marvin, Marvin Harrison and uh, Abuka, I think, only had like four catches. Uh, that's just like – that's your Heisman candidate wide receiver – with I think maybe two two receptions. I'd have to go back and look, but it wasn't good. Uh, and then the other one was Nebraska-Minnesota. That was another, you know, kind of marquee game of the weekend. Minnesota figured a way to pull it out. Nebraska just, again, a one-score game that they lost. I mean, I, I'd have to go back and check the stats on it. But, I mean, they've lost so many of these one-score games over the last couple of years. I don't know how their fan base does it. I'd rather get blown out every game and expect it than to be within that fourth quarter of, hey, you're going to get a win, we're doing it. And then, ah, shit, nope, there it is. Another loss. Well, yes, yes, we're driving home sad again. Uh, Guys, anything else on those those slates of games that you had uh, thoughts on? Uh, I know Penix had a wonderful game. Uh, Again, he's definitely a Heisman contender. But that Georgia Tech game, I think that was one of the better games of the weekend. I know I know Trevor was excited to watch that one. I will say one thing about Washington. Their inability to rush the football kind of worries me about the rest of their season. Um, they can't just rely on Michael Penix to do it all. I think he's still the best quarterback in the country. I mean, he, he had a phenomenal game, uh, especially after the second quarter. Uh, they was a little slow to start. Uh, I was kind of worried there for a minute even about them because uh, they were struggling to get down the field in the first quarter. But he flipped it into high gear. And uh, what was it? Let's see, 29 of 40, 450 yards, five touchdowns. I mean, he, he killed it after the second quarter. But uh, they're going to have to figure out a way to run the football if they're going to they're gonna win the Pac-12, which I've got them winning it, and I've got them in the playoffs. So. They're going to have to do a little better to get there. Absolutely. I'll tell you what, man. The Louisville game shocked me. I really thought that Louisville was going to come out, well, one, win the be my dark horse and actually follow through with the dark horse pick and just kind of, you know, go. But now I'm worried because you let Georgia Tech do that to you and you still <laughs> – you still got to get through your schedule, and I'm 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 still confident that they are a good team. They found a way to win, which was great. But but I'll tell you what, I was I was not uh, uh, super happy about the <laughs> the situation that they found themselves in with like a few minutes left in the fourth quarter. But uh, but all in all, I'm glad that they they pulled it out. But yeah, that that was one that gave me pause on my pick for the dark horse for the ACC for sure. Yeah, I mean, they made a great comeback cuz they were down 28-13 at half, so uh, <laughs> I was I was really concerned there for a minute. But yeah, they they uh they made it made that comeback and and got the dub 39-34. Uh, 
moving on, we're we're gonna talk about our picks real quick because we've been we started doing the the picks on week zero, and uh, we we bumped it up from three picks in week zero to five picks in week one. Uh, total, we all went two and three this week because uh, we all kind of just had you know mixed match uh, totals right now though for the season. Myself, Brendan, I'm four and four. Trevor is four and four, and Blake is five and three currently. We are all zero and one on our dang gridlocks of the week because <laughs> they all blew it. Uh, TCU for Blake, he they blew that one. Trevor picked South Carolina, they blew it. Well, the offensive line did. Uh, we're taking shots at you again because you deserve it. And Hawaii blew it for me again. I thought, well, I won't say. I I thought they were going to do much better because of how they played uh, Vandy. And Trevor had me feeling confident in them. But Hawaii was just so, so undisciplined. They screwed themselves again. So Hawaii, I'd probably never pick you again. But I might revisit you in week three. We'll see. Guys, how how you feeling about your picks? I, I'm a little I'm a little salty about the the UTSA one and obviously TCU. I wouldn't say I'm salty about it. I just I, – it's week one. You don't know what you're going to get out of teams. I was like everybody else with Colorado. I just didn't see that many new faces coming together, being able to pull off a game like that. Because even though TCU is not as good as what – or we didn't think they was as good as what everybody was advertising, they're still a, a higher-tier program. And Colorado, with a whole new – team coaching staff went on the road in that environment and took the life out of it. I mean, they was, they was the show of the weekend. I mean, that they're the talk. So, I mean, I'm, I'm fine with it. I like Deion Sanders. I'm a fan of his and for him to get that win, I'm glad for him. And I would love to see Colorado turn their program around and get their name back out there and their image back up and, so I'm I'm okay with taking that loss. I am so excited for Colorado. First of all, I I was pleasantly surprised. I did not, even though I picked Colorado and I was super confident in that pick. Like I was ready, I was all in on picking for Colorado. But in the back of my mind, I was like, I have no idea how this is going to play out. Uh, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you this: I was happily, happily surprised. And I'll tell you this: Travis Hunter's in in the Heisman race as of right now. Like there, there's, if he's not, then there's a problem. Because I don't think that I think Penix Jr. should be in there. I think Travis Hunter should be in there. Honorable mention might be the quarterback Shamar Sanders, because uh, he he balled out too. But I don't think Williams should be in the conversation as of right now, even though he's doing all right. He's not playing anybody. These guys just did that, but I digress. I'm just kind of – I am super impressed with Colorado. And, I, Blake, I don't know how you feel about it, or Brendan, I don't know how you feel about it, but I feel like that we are – over the next few years, we're going to start seeing teams that need to do a rebuild do it the Sanders way, do it primetime's way. I, 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 I'm not saying that's for certain, but – if he has a decent winning season, and he goes to the bowl, a bowl game from a one and whatever they were for a one win team. I think people are going to be like, well, why not? Why not get some coach in there and 
And yeah, so I think that might be a trend that's going to start happening. Maybe. Yeah. I love what he did with the program. He come in so many kids nowadays are pacified and just coddled by everybody. You know, they don't get their playing time. So they just quit playing in the middle of the game and you can see it in their attitudes on the field and sidelines. He went in there and said, if you don't want to play for me, leave. And they all left. And he brought guys in that wanted to play and look at the results he got. I mean, that's that's the way you do it. I mean, this the NIL, Texas A&M, sorry to hate on them, but they're the example. They paid all this big money for these players to come in. Things didn't work out. They ended up leaving. Texas A&M and these boosters and all these people that contributed to these players, they're out all this money, and then they don't have the team that they were expecting to have by buying it. Primetime has went in there and created a culture that people want to come play for, and you get good results out of it when you have people that want to be there and contribute to, to building something. So the way he's doing it is great. I think he's going to build a dynasty anywhere he goes. I think after this season, he's probably going to be getting offers from, you know, big programs. There's there's places that are going to need coaches, and they're going to get, they're going to go after him. But I don't think he leaves Colorado. I think he likes where he's at, and I think he likes what he's building. Look, I, I'm going to piggyback off of you on that. I do think that he's going to people are going to try and come after him and get 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 him to rebuild. I don't know, uh, Auburn, for example, like get him to go in there and try and turn that back into a power again. But I, I agree with you. I think he's going to stay. I think he's going to stay as long as his son is there because he's not going to leave, leave while his son is the quarterback there. I don't think that's even in the realm of possibilities. But that being said, uh, listening to the broadcast uh, of the Colorado game, the running back who's a sophomore is like a son to Deion Sanders. I mean – the kid grew up with the Deion Sanders as a role model from the age of four on. So the, the, this Colorado team is way more than just a hodgepodge of players. It's He's creating like this family atmosphere within a football program without the NIL. I watched his interview with Joel Klatt, and they they went into some, some of the discussion about the NIL and how Sanders doesn't really agree with it and that he does believe that there should be some money, the players should get paid, the top 1% should get money if they, need, if they you know, earned it. But he wants his players to earn that money. So he, he, from what I understand and from what I listened to in that interview, it sounded more like he wants some sort of uh, incentive program for the players. You get paid for the performance that you do type of thing. Um, and his – from my takeaway of it, his big thing is, is you're working for that bank in the NFL. His goal is to get his players into the NFL, and that's it. And, and I, I have an immense amount of respect for him. I'm super excited to see what Colorado does this year and going forward. Yeah, I, I agree. And obviously he's he's done his, his job because we're, we're all talking about him. Every national media is talking about him, and we spent a good chunk of this show talking about him. So, yeah, uh, we're, we're going to hit up our, our, our next week. Um, I believe on probably Wednesday we're going to do another show. Uh, we'll, we'll get into more picks and more breakdowns of week two then. Uh, but first, bef- before we close out, 
into our final thoughts. We still have one more game in week one. It's Clemson versus Duke. Uh, Duke's got, they're going to try to play, you know, upset here because Clemson has playoff, you know, hopes and dreams. Uh, Riley Leonard and, you know, coach Mike Elko over there, they, they've, they feel they're confident. Uh, they feel like they have a good, uh, family atmosphere there too. They feel like they're, they're ready to go. Uh, so we're, we're going to see about that one. That, that is tomorrow night. I still got Clemson winning the, the, <laughs> the ACC, but after seeing Florida State tonight, my, I'm a little bit shaky on that. But we have yet to see Clemson, so we're going to find out a lot. It's an ACC game. Let's see how uh, Klebnik goes out there and, and tears it up, or if he doesn't. And then uh, moving on, we got some Thursday games that we're just going to talk about real quick. I'll I'll tell you who they are. Uh, Murray State's playing at Louisville on Thursday. Indiana State's playing at Indiana. Indiana is going to try and rebound and figure out some offense after hanging in with Ohio State. But the, the good game Thursday night is I'm actually pretty excited to watch this one is Illinois at Kansas. I, I think that's going to be a pretty interesting game. To see if uh, Illinois can you know recover after <laughs> what happened this weekend and barely scraping by Toledo. And then Kansas, they had a really good week one. They're exciting quarterback, and I don't know. That's that's another dark horse for Trevor. So stay tuned both for that by, one. It's both my dark horses playing each other. What the hell is going on? The gods hate me right now. The gods hate me. Uh, but I'm so I, I am excited to see how both these teams handle it because Kansas had a good showing. The good showing at their game, I thought. Um, Louisville did. I mean, they they moved the ball and they did a pretty good job. And they came out with the win. So I'm curious to see how week two uh, works out for both of these teams. That's really it for, for today. I mean, we, we hit all the big games that we picked. We ran over our picks next week, though, or excuse me, later this week. We're going to go. We got some big games coming up uh, this, this weekend. And we'll cover all that in the next show. Uh, boys, any final thoughts on, on week one and uh, moving forward? Yeah, I was just going to give uh... – a little rundown real quick of just from around the SEC. Uh, Tennessee, they wasn't as explosive as they were last year. Obviously, that'd be hard to recreate. But Joe Milton, he wasn't awful. I thought he had a pretty solid game. He was a little better than I expected. A little flat at times, but, you know, week one coming out, I thought he did pretty solid. Auburn, you know, they have a decent team. I was wondering, I'm sure they were as well, about the – Everybody kind of knew he was going to get an improvement out of Auburn with Hugh Freeze, and they certainly did. He's going to move the ball. He's going to score some points. He, you know, lived up to his name. Texas A&M, I thought they looked night and day different from last season. Went out, put up more points than they did all year last year. So they – I do think Bobby Petrino's calling the shots down there on offense. Uh, Alabama – I'm an Alabama fan, but I'm not as big on Jalen Milrow as everybody else. The first half really had me worried with Milrow. I know everybody's taunting the stats about the three touchdowns, passing, two rushing, whatever, first Alabama quarterback, but stats don't win national championships. You can stat someone to death, but that don't score touchdowns. And he just made – he was real slow through his progressions. He wasn't making quick reads. He underthrew a touchdown, fumbled some snaps. 
he has good playmaking ability. He's extremely fast. He's tough. He's powerful. But a lot of the stuff that he did in that game, being Middle Tennessee, it's not going to pan out well when we're playing teams that have good speed and play recognition like Texas, LSU, Georgia. And, you know, it was Middle Tennessee, so we wasn't really running like a high executing offensive scheme or anything. Everything was real simple, basic. We had 226 passing, 205 rushing, 431 total yards. Uh, we played three quarterbacks, played like six different running backs, and no one really stood out any more than the others. Um, I think our running game is going to be really good this year. Our offensive line looked really good. Defensive line and the defense as a whole was so much more aggressive than we had under Pete Golding. I think Kevin Steele being down at Bama made a huge difference just in the way the players conduct themselves. We was actually wrapping up on tackles, not just throwing shoulders. We were rushing to the ball. I mean, they was all over the field. Our defensive line, Jaheim Otis, I, I mean, dude was wrecking people. Braswell, uh, Lawson, Jalen Key had a pick. So, I mean, no, the competition wasn't nothing crazy, but just – the the atmosphere and the presence of the team, you just feel a different vibe from the team, or I could. And uh, I think it's going to be a good season, but we've got to get something figured out at quarterback. He did a lot better in the second half. He was a lot more accurate. But something about just his release of the ball, and he's not fast with it, and I think that could hurt us long-term on the season. I, I didn't get to see a lot of Ty Simpson like I was really hoping we would. Or um, Dylan Longgren. And Buckner didn't really impress me much. He was okay, but nothing crazy. He only threw five passes. Ty Simpson only threw one. So next week will be where Alabama really gets to see what kind of team we got. I do think we're, I think we're better rounded than we were last season. Sometimes when you have athletes like Bryce, it becomes too centered around him, and we were too reliant on Bryce Young. I think we're more successful when we have teams like this, like we've had in the past with Coker and McCarron, where it's not just centered around one player. And like when we had Tua, everything was centered around Tua, didn't win the natty. Um, Mac Jones, I mean, it wasn't centered around here. Everybody, The talk was uh, Devontae Smith. It's like when all the eyes are on our quarterback, we never live up to the expectation, in my opinion. And like Jalen Hurts, all eyes was on him all the time. Couldn't win the national championship. Tua couldn't win the national championship. So I'm anxious to see how we play going forward with Tommy Reese making the play calls. We're running the ball a lot more. It was nice seeing that, not going out and throwing 55 passes. So I look forward to the rest of the season for Bama. And one other thing I would like to touch on uh, was with Michigan. When their players lined up and gave the salute to uh, the Almighty, uh, the Cheeseburger Bandit. I mean, I thought it was a phenomenal thing to do. It was very courageous. Uh, not many teams would do that for their coach. And I thought that said a lot about Michigan. And just because of that, I mean, I put them in the playoffs and – Probably winning the national championship. 
Oh, man. I knew that was what you were going to say. Because ESPN's been talking about it. Everybody's there. They're like, oh, the, the train. Blah, whatever, dude. They listen. Listen, free Harbaugh. He did nothing wrong. He bought a guy a cheeseburger. The kid was hungry. <laughs> Trevor, you, what you got on that? I mean, that's. <laughs> well, I'm not surprised the criti- <laughs> the statement came from Blake. That doesn't surprise me in the least. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, as far as Michigan as a whole, just a quick quick observation I had about their game is that there is one major and I think glaring question mark I have is their edge rushers. Mm-hmm. They did not perform like I thought they were going to, and I'm concerned. The middle, the in- interior, I'm okay with. The linebackers, the secondary – I know they're going to be great. But the fact of the matter is is that if we want to beat Penn State, we want to beat Wisconsin, or we want to beat anybody that's of a top-tier caliber, we need those edge rushers to get pressure and put pressure on them quarterbacks. So that's my main takeaway of their game, is that while they did win 30-3, to they did not pressure the quarterback very much at all. Rushing four. I know their blitz packages are aggressive usually, but when they rushed four, there was plenty of time for the quarterback to make a decision, and that's not okay when you're playing East Carolina. Yeah, I'm with you. I know that was a concern. I I know uh, presser afterwards they talked about some uh, miscommunication on on the offensive line uh, for some of our our run schemes, but I, I think they'll square it all the way. Blitz uh, the defense. Yeah, the edge rushers. I would like to see more out of. Uh, especially Josiah Stewart coming out of uh, Coastal Carolina. He's a, a good pickup for, for Michigan coming out of the transfer portal. Um, I, I think they'll score it away. I don't know how much they showed because, we I mean, we locked them down the whole game. But, yeah, that, that pressure on the quarterback rushing forward, I would have liked to see more out of it. Uh, offensively, though, uh, J.J. looked phenomenal. His The ball placement, the zip was exactly what you're looking for. They let him sling it. Uh, we called off the dogs. Really, the start of the third quarter. I mean, it it was it was done at that point. We we didn't even try. Um, but Roman Wilson rocking the number one. He had three touchdowns. So I was I was happy to see that. Um, rest of the Big Ten, they they had decent outing. I mean, nothing crazy. Michigan State looked a little flat against Central Michigan. Obviously, the Nebraska game, that was Nebraska at Minnesota, so Big Ten battle. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how those teams play out. Ohio State looked a little flat, uh, but defensively they did fine. Penn State did what they needed to do against West Virginia. Wisconsin, they they figured it out after the first half and got some some movement. Iowa is Iowa, but they, they, they scored a, a, their first touching – a passing touchdown, I think, since the 90s or something on their first drive. Uh, so, I don't know. Big Ten, they did fine except for Purdue. I mean, way to blow it, Purdue, you know, obviously new coach. But, yeah, that's – I don't know. I, I think it'll still be a good season, and it's week one, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, so, another little tidbit of information I feel like I want to share is that I got J.J. now in the Heisman race as far as I'm concerned. Because if Michigan <laughs> – yeah, yeah, exactly, Blake. It's happening. Just let it happen. Let it happen, buddy. 
let it happen. No, I, I think I think if he performs on a weekly basis the way he did against East Carolina, which I know it's East Carolina, so take what I'm saying with a grain of salt. Heisman, JJ, he's going to be in the running, I think, by the end of the season if they pass the way they're going to the way they did uh, this this past game because I was actually a little disappointed with how little they used Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards in this game, but we'll see. Yeah, it seems like the emphasis is to let him throw it, and I mean, obviously, he threw it against everybody who played last year. Uh, his biggest mistakes was in TCU when he threw those two picks, uh, but he still threw for over 300 yards and had a great game. So uh, if he's, again, decision-making, if he just scores that away, I, th- I think he only had five picks on the season last year. So, I mean, it's not like he's poor at decision-making. It was just in the biggest game that we had, uh, you know, he made those two mistakes that ended it for us. So I think he'll be up there, especially if they're not going to run it as much, uh, you got to preserve Corum and Edwards and keep them healthy so that they are ready for the game and the Big Ten championship and the playoffs because that's that's what they're shooting for. They want Natty this year. He's a solid quarterback, but I would not Hosman. He's not up there with Michael Penix, and I mean he's just not. Hey, it, it's the offense that they run. I would I'd pick JJ I think over Michael Penix to lead my team. But yeah, I don't for know. sure, for sure. But, but he's not, he's not going to put up Heisman stats, not with the amount of quarterbacks this year that are going to be in it. And that's not to say he's not a better quarterback than some of them, because there's certainly years where there's a lot better players on other teams than who wins the Heisman. So I just yeah, I'm, I'm talking just purely from the award standpoint. He's, I don't think he's going to have the numbers to get a Heisman Trophy when there's people like Caleb Williams, Michael Penix, uh, for whatever reason, Drake May. Uh, I just don't see him being even in the in the conversation for it. Yeah, I, I hear you. Uh, again, he's going to lead his team. But, yeah, numbers-wise, I mean, these guys are passing 45, 50 touchdowns a year. Right. Uh I don't think Michigan Michigan hasn't had a uh, passer go over twenty five passing touchdowns in a season. Uh, so I mean that that's one of the weird stats for Michigan. But we just run it all the time. That's what that's what Michigan's always done. And there's nothing um, wrong with that. No, it, and I like running the ball. If you can run the ball, mm-hmm. you're typically going to win football games. Um, so I, I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens. Uh, I, I still think Michigan's controls their own destiny. They're going to have a really good year. Bama's going to have a good year. Uh, I like you mentioned Texas A&M. Uh, that Weekman, I, I was kind of surprised he had a good game. He, he finished pretty decently, uh, five touchdowns. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. We'll we'll see. The SEC West is it feels open to me, uh, especially with LSU going down that way. It, it, I don't know, man. It's <laughs> a lot's going to play out next week too. Ole Miss hung seventy three. I mean, I know these teams are little, you know, rinky-dink schools, but it was – they run the ball. I mean, Ole Miss, they, their offense was kicking. I mean, they, they was very um, balanced. And 73 points is a lot to score on anybody. It's like even Oregon putting up the 81. It doesn't really matter who you play. That's a lot of points to put up. I mean, that's a good offense. Very true. 
I got really nothing to add other than that. I'm really excited that college football is back, man. Like this past week, this weekend has been an amazing weekend for college football. Yeah. Upsets, the whole nine yards, seeing how these different offenses are working and how some of these new quarterbacks are fitting into the schemes. Because I'll tell you what, um, like Blake mentioned, I wasn't really impressed with Alabama's quarterback selections that they had. Like they're some of them are manageable. I honestly think Buckner will probably be the best one uh, out of all of them after it's all said and done because I think he's the better game manager of them all. But um, but it's hard to tell. I mean, you know, Nick Saban will always pick the right one. He usually always does. It's going to be a fun time talking about all this stuff. I'm looking forward to it. I'm definitely excited for this season and next weekend. Like you said, we're going to have a lot, a lot to cover on Wednesday. A lot of big games. Uh, I think it's pretty loaded slate. So, hey, we're <laughs> we're ready for a Big 12. You better watch out, though, because you could have two straight very bad weeks. Uh, Baylor especially, watch out. Uh, but, yeah, for, for us here at, at Gridiron, gentlemen, uh, I think that's it. And, everybody, we appreciate you listening. And, hey, check out Episode 6 and, and let us know what you think. Hit us up on uh, all the socials. So appreciate you all. Have a good one.